and we want to do that as a whole, as a group, as a church. And so we've talked about a, a, a few barriers that, um, that can block us from growing. And here's been the, the challenge. Each week the challenge has been that you would take whatever the topic was, the barrier for that day, and you would go home and you would press into that and ask God, God, is this a barrier in my life? And you would listen to God and you would allow God to speak to you. And then you would be um, faithful to make the changes and, and to let God start to work in you and grow you. And, and I think if you've pressed into this, you'll recognize that these kind of things aren't easy. These are things that actually take a little bit of effort and you have to be intentional about some stuff and you have to make some changes in your life. But I bet that if you've been pressing into some of these growth barriers, or all of them, you have seen some breakthroughs. You've seen some growth in your life. In fact, just a couple days ago, I was having a conversation with a guy who he started to talk about some of the growth barriers. And I, I could tell that he was pressing into those, and I could see that he was excited about what God was doing in his life. So I think that it, it works. I think that if we apply the things that God teaches us, that, that we read from his scriptures, that they work. And so this morning we're going to wrap this up. And we've kind of been anchoring on this verse in Matthew, which Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Um, so if you open your Bible about halfway through, the New Testament starts in Matthew. And we have this verse that we've been looking at. And it says, if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And so when we look at the four barriers that we've talked about, we talked about three and we'll finish the fourth today, we can see that in this verse, Jesus is giving us direction to break through the barrier. So the first barrier we talked about was a purpose barrier or, or a, 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 a statement barrier, a plan barrier for our life, a vision for our life. And if we look here, I like to say that Jesus says, if you want to be my follower. So if I want to have a plan for my life, maybe a great plan is to be a follower of Jesus. And with that, it would mean that I would be, God would be number one in my life, that I would be loving God with everything I have, and that I would be then in return loving others as I love myself, which lands as the vision statement for branches. And so we could see that in this, in this verse. The second, the second barrier we looked at was the faith barrier. And... Um, Again, when we look at this verse, we can see that it says you must give up your own way. And if you remember when we talked about the faith barrier, we talked about this, this, um, this barrier that causes us to try and handle everything in our lives on our own and not to put our faith in God, not to allow God to be the one to sustain us. And so if I'm, if I'm giving up my own ways, I am, I am saying I'm no longer going to hold on to the ability or try to have the ability to take care of myself. God, I'm putting everything into your hands. And then last week we talked about the me barrier, the, the, the idea that I, it's all about me. I come first, I take care of myself, and whatever's left, then maybe I could hand it off to somebody else. And obviously if you look at this scripture, it says that you must... Take up your cross, which means die to yourself and follow Jesus. And so if I'm dying to myself, if I'm laying my rights on the line for the sake of God's kingdom, if I'm laying myself on the line for the ability to love others and serve others, then I'm, I'm, I'm having a breakthrough with the me barrier. And so the challenge was, what, is there areas of these barriers that you can see in your life that you need to ask God to help you break through so that you can grow spiritually in your relationship with him. And 
the belief is that if we each individually are making these kind of commitments and we're walking these things out, then as a church, we will grow spiritually. And a byproduct of spiritual growth as a church is, is numbers growth, that people will be attracted, attracted to what we are doing to the lives that we have and say, I want what you guys have, and they would jump in and join us, and it will out, allow us to introduce them and invite them into relationship with their creator. So today, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the final barrier for this series, and the barrier is basically how we think. And so I've called it the met- a mentality shift or mentality barrier, and um, it's this challenge to shift our way of thinking from the patterns of this world to the things of the kingdom of God. It's that shift. It's that shift that says, I'm no longer going to think about things in the way that we would naturally handle them, but in the way of saying, God, how would you handle this? God, I'm part of your kingdom. I'm a citizen of your kingdom. And how, how are you going to handle that? And that we start thinking in the ways and the mindset of how God would do things. And when we do this, it'll bring us to a place to see that our problems we face and the difficulties that we face can be filtered through God's heart, and we could ask God, God, what are you doing in this situation? What are you trying to teach me? How are you moving in this situation? How are you working? And so it's this idea that we begin to look at things through a different set of lenses, and the lenses are the lenses of how Jesus would look at things, how God would have us look at things. So let me illustrate this. Suppose that you went to dinner, and you went to dinner with your family or some friends, and you go to dinner, and you get seated, And I think that there's probably some statistic, if you own a restaurant around here, you may know this, but there's some statistic that says, you know, by the time when a person gets seated, there's so many minutes or seconds before they should be greeted and that sort of thing, you know, so, but let's just say that you sit down and minutes go by and nobody greets you. And then finally the server comes and they're a little bit flustered and they just kind of ask you, what can I get you to drink? And so you, you offer up your drink order and then they disappear and then more minutes go by, and they kind of bring your drinks and toss them on the table, and, and they're, they're not exactly right, but you sort it out, and then they take your order, and you sit there and wait, and you wait, and you wait, and then they come and, and slide the, the meal on your table. The food's a little bit cold because it's been sitting, and they don't bother to refill your, your glass because it's now empty, and they, they dash off. Would that kind of ruin your dining experience? It would, it would ruin mine. And I've had these kind of experiences. And it would also cause me to start to wonder if I'm going to give this person a tip and wonder if this person should be working at this job. <laughs> You're funny, Judy. <laughs> but you, you guys understand the scenario I'm painting. But what if, as you're getting ready to leave the restaurant, the manager comes up to you and says, hey, I really apologize for the service today. Your server found out right before their shift that their mother had died unexpectedly. Now, what kind of shift would happen in your mind towards that person? Because now you have lenses to see why the service was so bad. Maybe you would have some compassion. Hopefully you'd have some compassion for the service situation. Maybe you would be very willing to offer up some grace. Maybe, maybe a prayer of comfort for the person. Maybe you would say, let's, leave, let's give this person, let's bless this person and give them a big tip. Do you see the, the shift that would take place in you if you knew the situation that this person was dealing with? 
So, so let's just look at that. If we had a mentality shift for God's kingdom, what that might look like on a regular basis. What would it look like if when you went to McDonald's and the gnarly kid behind the counter, you were able to recognize that they're gnarly. Is that funny? Come on. Is that not a good word to use? Or was that Jeff when he was in high school? You guys are distracting me. The gnarly kid behind the counter at McDonald's. What if you were able to recognize that that kid is the way he is because his dad abandoned him as a, as a child and his mom's working a couple jobs just to keep a roof over their house and he just needs a mentor in his life? What if, you, what if the girl that you were able to see that she's covering up and hiding behind a facade because she's been called fat or she's been called ugly and she's secretly purging herself at night just to take some control of her body. How would, that, how, what, how would we be able to respond to a person if we knew that situation? Or the guy on the side of the, uh, the street corner yelling to the sky or who knows well because he's, he's got some, some stuff that he's disturbed about and that he just needs somebody to sit and listen and talk to him. When we walk with a mindset of the kingdom of God, we can allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and give us insight so that we can love people and we can respond to people differently than what we do with our natural mindset. And this is the shift that I want to encourage us to have this morning. And so I want to encourage you to, to be thinking about that. And imagine how as God's children who have been called and equipped to love and to serve and to serve others, we can be more fruitful, we can be more productive and seeing lives changed, and people being invited in to his kingdom. What would that do for your personal growth? What would that do for us as a church, in our spiritual growth as a church, if we stepped into this? And this is what I want to challenge you. I think that we would begin to see a lot of people, and we'd become people who are hyper-tuned into what God is doing, and we are willing and excited to step into what God's doing and see lives changed for his kingdom which is another part of the vision statement. Last week, we talked about um, just a scripture, a verse in Acts chapter 2, where it said all the believers grouped together, and they, they, you know, they sold all their possessions and, and brought them together so that everybody can, you know, for, for the betterment of the, of the entire group. And what I see there is, you know, Peter stood up and preached this message. And I looked at his message this week in Acts chapter 2. He didn't have any really clever points. He didn't have, like... He just basically said, hey, that guy, Jesus, that did all those things, yep, he's the Messiah. And people said, what, what, what must we do to believe? And, you know, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that fell. But what, what those group of people did when they believed is they had a mind shift, a mentality shift that said, it's all about God and his kingdom. Everything that I have is willing to be put on the line for God and his kingdom. And you know that churches today spend a lot of time like collaborating and talking about fine strategies and clever ways to get church people excited and involved about doing God's work? What if we just had a mentality shift that said, I'm part of God's kingdom. I'm going to be doing God's work. I'm going to be asking the Holy Spirit to fill me and to speak to me and to give me lenses so that I can go out and love people in the world. What if we did that? What would it look like for branches if all of us said, we're going to step into this. We're going to press into this. One of the, woo, I like that. One of the greatest, one of the greatest, if not the greatest topic or the most talked about topic 
that Jesus spoke about was the kingdom of God. He would say things like this, repent, which repent means to turn around and go the opposite direction in which you're going. I could say repent means is to have a shift in your mind and in your heart from the things that you're doing to the things of God. And he would say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he spent time trying to show us why we needed to shift our mind from the things of this world to the things of, of, of God's kingdom. And so I just, I just want to show you a couple examples of how Jesus did this. So, but I say is the key word, we're, the key phrase we want to look at. He says this, and these verses are just, they're not, you know, significant to the message other than the but I say part. It says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to the judgment. Do you see how Jesus says, the world says, do, if you do this, this is what's happened. But I say, it's, it's different. Go to the next one. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Go to the last one. You have heard the law says, love your enemies and hate your neighbor, hate, hate your enemy. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Got me. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those. You see how Jesus is calling us to a mentality shift? To say, you know, we have in this world, in the kingdom of this world, we have these rights set up that say we're allowed to have attitudes and opinions and do things based on what takes place. But Jesus says, in my kingdom, there's a shift in how we think and how we respond. And with this shift, we could break down a barrier that can allow us to grow in our relationship with God. And with this shift, we can break down barriers that allow us to love people beyond what we think is our ability to love people. I want to look at just a parable that Jesus had just to, 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 to try to lock in why the kingdom of God is important to us. Here's a parable. You guys have heard this. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field, in his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven, which kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God go hand in hand, synonymous. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who, on the lookout for a choice pearl. When he discovered the pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Jesus is illustrating the value of the kingdom of God, the value of of us seeking the kingdom of God. Do you see what's taking place there? Do you see how Jesus is saying, we should be willing to lay everything on the line to be walking in the kingdom of God, to be citizens of the kingdom of God, to live in the kingdom of God, to be operating in the kingdom of God. I have this friend. He's, I, I, I say he's one of my wisest friends I have, and he's very calculated. So the guy doesn't make a decision without extreme research and, and wisdom. That's just the way I've known this guy. And currently, what he has done is he has calculated that there's a need in the world that he thinks he could fulfill. I, I believe he's going to fulfill this. I, I, I trust this. I have faith in this guy. But what he's done in order to do that is he's left the job that he had that was supporting him and his family and paying him very well. He's taken up partnership with a few people, and they are putting everything on the line to develop a product that in the end, when it comes to the people, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring protection for people. It's going to bring safety for people. It's going to enhance the industry that they're targeting. And it has the potential to be like a $100 million 
product when it launches. No. What he's done is he's calculated the value of putting everything on the line. He's told me, hey, I'm only making about 25%, if that, of what I used to make, and the paychecks come in sporadically. He's tapping into his, I think his savings account is done, so he's now tapping into his retirement. And it's all because he believes in something so great, and when it happens, he's going to be a multimillionaire. But he's willing to, to put everything on the line for this payout in the end. And this is what Jesus is saying to us in this parable, that the kingdom of God is worth putting everything on the line, selling out everything, giving up everything, dying to yourself to be in my kingdom. And so here's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is valuable. We've just talked about that. This, the kingdom of God is to be sought. Jesus says, seek ye first his kingdom. Don't worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow. Don't worry about what clothes you're going to wear. Seek God's kingdom. Do you notice that the merchant, I don't know if it's still up there, but the merchant, as soon as he found the pearl, he stopped seeking. He, didn't, he, he knew what he had. There was nothing else greater to be found in this world. So he stopped seeking, seeking sold everything out in order to purchase that pearl. Well, we've been given the kingdom of God. We've been told, here, it's yours. Receive it, walk in it, live in it. It's the greatest thing that you can have. And we have to shift our, our, our mindset that it's greater than what we can do here on this earth. And the kingdom of God is worth all you have, like we've said. So let's just wrap this up with the, these kind of thoughts. If I say, okay, or if you say to me, okay, I want to, I want to shift and start thinking kingdom-minded instead of world-minded, what... what what can I do? And so we just came up with three, three things we could do to shift our mentality. First is choose the kingdom of God. That seems really simple, but you just kind of have to do it. You have to decide, okay, I'm going to allow myself to be led by the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. There's two kingdoms that we choose. And we, we kind of, as followers of Jesus, I think we t- tend to just kind of step in and out of them. We step out of it, the kingdom of God into the kingdom of this world when things are going smooth and everything's wonderful. And we start to have some problems and, oh God, I need you to be like alive and, and operating in my life. And God's saying, no, just step in completely. Live in it, walk in it, submit to it. Follow your king. You know, the kingdom of God is the reign of God. It's, it's, it's his authority in our life. If I live in a kingdom, I, I follow my king. I allow my king to lead me. I allow my king to guide me. And I, and I serve and I follow and I bow to my king. And I worship my king. And then what's the last one? Put on these lenses of the kingdom of God. Take off the lenses that, that you filter stuff through that says, oh, that person, that kid's just a turd. That's a new one I said on Sunday. <laughs> it's not in the manuscript, is it, Holly? No, she didn't see it. <laughs> but honestly, how many times do you see a kid at, at McDonald's and you just you immediately have an opinion about him that he's just a turd? But if we knew that the kid's just seeking some love and some attention and seeking somebody to hear him and mentor him, how, what would that do for us? If the girl that, that you see, you know, bundled up in the corner... Just need you to go over and say, hey, how's things going? Hey, what's new in your life? 
the crazy guy. One, one day, Joe and I, were, we, we stopped at the stop sign up here. It, the light was red for us and immediately turned green. And a minute it turned, the second it turned green, a person walked into the crosswalk. Like she was standing there when she had the crosswalk. And then as soon as it turned green for us, she stepped in. So I stopped because I didn't want to run her over because we've done that in our family in the past, right, Joe? <laughs> yeah, my wife ran somebody over about four years ago. Anyways, um, so I didn't want to be the one to run somebody over. <laughs> hey, she's preaching next week for Father's Day, so uh, she has her chance to get back at me, but... Um, but anyways, I paused, and the lady walked across in front of us and gave us a look like, of course you're going to wait for me. And I said, I said to Joe, I said, what's wrong with that person's life? I mean, what's, what's wrong in her life that she, that she did that? Like, what's, is there something, you know, mentally wrong with her? Is there something emotionally wrong? Is there something selfish that's just, that she chose to do that, knowing, you know, and, and to give us kind of a look, I think she mouthed something at us. But it was just one of those things of, it was like, you know, that there's that little shift of me being, wanting to lay on my horn and yell at her to go on, man, that, she's hurting somewhere. That, that, that's, that's her life right now. I had a moment of the kingdom of God in me to have some compassion for a crazy lady walking across the street. Why don't you stand with me? Next week, Father's Day, come thirsty, men. We'll have, it's brew and Bible. Father's Day is brew and Bible, so. Root brew. <laughs> I didn't get that. Sorry. <laughs> Siri wanted to know what I said. Rusty. Rusty's standing here. He's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's so funny. Listen, if, if you're a couple that you've, you've just been going through some hard times, a little bit of bickering, arguing, fighting, whatever, God wants, to, God wants to, you to put that in his hand, and he wants to start to restore and, and, and repair that relationship. Um, we have people up here that would love to pray with you and encourage you and, uh, and just join with you in what, what you're going with and asking God to be a part of that. If you need prayer for anything in your life, if there's something physical that you're dealing with, something emotional, if there's financial stuff, work stuff, relational stuff, we, we want to pray with you. We believe God's active and working today. We believe God wants to be a part of your life and wants to intervene in your life if we're willing to submit to that. And so we just want to invite you during this time to, to come up and receive some prayer. Here's how the rest of the service is going to go. We're just going to pause. And, and during this time of pause, it's a time to give you time to reflect. Maybe, maybe talk to God about the mentality shift that you know you need to make. Maybe talk to God about what's going on in your life. It's also a time that if you want somebody to join with you in prayer to, to go on and come on up. Also, here's, here's, here's a, a freedom that we need to have. If you're sitting here and you feel like somebody's caught your eye that you need to pray for, this is a good time just to go pray for them. It's a time for us to love on each other in the, as we wrap up the service. This is what the family of God does. We care for each other. We love for each other. And so we're going to take a few minutes where we just we just contemplate and, and talk to God. Then, then we'll finish with a, a song of worship and then we'll be just dismissed. If you, um, yeah, come on up. Um, if you, uh, if you uh, at the end of the song, if you want to be dismissed, be dismissed. We'll save this space for um, 
step up here, Judy. We'll save this space for those that want to worship. So Judy, Judy has a, a prayer. She's been having a prayer request for about a year, and God did some stuff in her life this week. So I'm going to lean in so you could talk. I want to just thank the Lord and thank Pastor Tom and Brother John and Joe for anointing me last, week, last Sunday and praying over me for healing. I went and had a nerve block Tuesday. For the first time in a year, I haven't had any pain in my neck or my back. Amen. Amen. For God's glory, right? So, oh, you don't have to get those. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay.